0: Welcome to Skip the Q, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. Each episode, I speak with industry experts from the attractions world. In today's episode, I speak with James Penfold, controller of partnerships at ITV, the name behind prolific tour experiences, including Coronation Street, the tour and Emmerdale Village tour. We discuss translating big brand IPs into commercial ventures, what the most successful formats are, and the brand new I'm a Celebrity Jungle Challenge, opening later this year. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and all the usual channels by searching Skip the Queue." Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's such a pleasure to see you again.
1: Thank you. It's great to see you today.
0: Well, I mean, you say that now. You might not say that after the questions that I'm about to ask you.
1: No, no, I've listened. I'm a regular listener, and so I don't know what's going to be thrown at me, so I've... Um... <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, I've taken my Zan and I'm ready.
0: <laughs> I had a lot of fun putting these together. I've gone for a theme. You you might you might notice what the theme is. Okay, let's let's begin. Would you rather eat a fisheye or drink blended fermented duck eggs?
1: Uh, the duck eggs, definitely.
0: Oh, really? You'd go for yeah. the duck eggs, but the smell though. Yeah, but that, that's the. Um
1: the eye thing and they always say i mean the eyeballs or anything you know it's that kind of crunch moment i suppose um mind you fish eyes quite small isn't it i was i was kind of thinking yeah no i'll have to stick with my answer you know right. sadly.
0: blended duck eggs okay uh, that was not the, i was not expecting that right who's funnier ant or deck
1: oh my god on the tech, <laughs> it's getting well listen i love them both but it's got to be deck
0: <laughs> i agree but then i had a bit of a crush on deck when i was younger so you know He's yeah, well, my I, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm not going to say who my crush was with. They, they're both lovely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe we'll find out later when you've relaxed a little bit. Um, if you could be any Coronation Street character, who would you be?
1: Uh, William Roach, yeah. you know, Ken Barlow, because who doesn't want to work for, you know, 40, 50 years in the industry and, be, <laughs> and, and get, get so many great storylines?
0: it has been a bit and, of a rogue uh, as well, though, hasn't he? He's been a hit absolutely. with the ladies
1: completely you know i'd like yeah and and a, and a returning hit with the ladies and he has you know he gets great sort of one-liners he's been involved with amazingly iconic plots so i think you know if any I, I, whenever i ask um sort of colleagues within the industry if any actor can have anything it's longevity within the industry isn't it so um yeah i'll go that row
0: great thank you for answering those right tell me what your unpopular opinion is
1: my unpopular opinion well let's just say that um uh, this is formed off the back of the big reunion it's very un- it, was, it was controversial certainly then at the time and certainly on the coaches uh, on the uh, on the trips it was that simply that the the live recording of any single is 99 percent of the time not as good as the single in the uh in the single recorded in the studio <laughs> and um obviously I used to say things like it's not as good as in the studio and uh yeah it didn't go down that well but um
0: <laughs> I think you're probably right though aren't you <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Adam Rickett took it personally, but I think we'd all have to agree. I breathe again sitting in a fish tank, needs to be done in the studio. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I cannot wait to talk to you about this. So um, James and I had a kind of pre-interview chat a few weeks ago, and... Um, I did share my huge kind of love. I mean, who doesn't love Anna Deck, Really? I mean, I mean that. Could, I mean, maybe that will come up as someone's unpopular opinion at some day that they they detest them. But I've been such a massive fan. I kind of grew up with them over the years as well. And um, when they came back a few years ago and brought out Ready to Rumble again, I lost my shit watching that episode because it was just like I can remember my friends texting me I was like what is happening this is amazing and then for that to kind of expand into the kind of whole big reunion thing was just phenomenal but you, we will we will come to that James I'm um, at the moment you're a controller of partnerships at ITV which sounds like a very grand title um what about your background like how did you get to where you are today and and where, what what kind of kind of big highlights have you had in your career?
1: Uh, so, I mean, like anyone, I think, you know, career is all about a bit of a zigzag. Not many people go straight to the the, the, end, the the end the end role they hope to achieve. So left school, not knowing at all what I wanted to do, always absolutely loved television. I mean, you know, was an avid fan of multi-colour swap shop every Saturday morning. But um, how did I therefore end up in a BT technical apprenticeship at the age of 16, leaving having just done the first year of GCSE? So so we were kind of guinea pigs on that front, ageing myself here. Um Uh, But, you know, BT ran an amazing, you know, uh, classic apprenticeship scheme, three years going across uh, a month, two months at a time across every uh, facet within the business. So you could be on estates one week, you'd be on customer residential services and installations, you'd be on externals, so working in the manholes and those sorts of things and learning about that aspect, marketing, sales, customer service in the sense of operator services, you know, it was it was a great uh, induction. And all the while, being able to go on block release, again, doesn't happen very often. Paid for by the company during the day, three months at a time to colleges and that to get technical qualifications. And then, you know, I was very grateful when they offered me to go, did I want to go to university and do a degree? So I did it both three years later than most, probably at 21 rather than 18. Okay. But that meant I was absolutely ready for it. I knew kind of what I wanted to do. I loved commerce and co- commercial and marketing sales and so i went to birmingham university studied uh, bcom there a bachelor of commerce um again coming back into bt in the summer holidays the internet was just kicking off and so i was fortunate enough to have the choice of which divisions you want to go back in, in your in your you know, in, the, in those holidays uh, and i went into a division that was just a startup division called internet and multimedia services um, that was actually the precursor days of in, bt becoming an internet service provider it was all about narrowband but we um, quickly learned, or so the company quickly learned, like everyone, whether you're an AOL operator or, anywhere, or anybody else, that once the people had logged on, what were they going to go to? Because it was the early days of search engines, there wasn't great to the content. So um, I just opted to be a, a, a content development manager, which was basically business classic business development. So looking to acquire content feeds. So in the day, you'd go to BT's various partners and obviously think to what you personally liked, whether it was top of the f- pops, the kind of, for music, uh, you know, Bloomberg for financial services and, and you pick off these um, the various brands and, and, and go and do deals to acquire that. That moved into broadband services, uh, then worked on a number of sort of trials that are sort of pioneering towards, I suppose, all the things we use now multimedia payphones so pay there were a whole trial of payphones across you know across Cardiff and and central London for people coming when not many people had email and certainly not many people had you know laptops at home and computers at home but they did want to be able to send email messages or check their messages as they were between stations or traveling between offices Uh, and then the early uh, precursor to BTTV which was um, an ADSL trial so again using copper wire to send tv signals down it well again where's the content there so I was lucky enough to Um, Again, it's all hands to the pump, really, when you're launching these trials. So uh, I I opted to kind of talk to the the music companies so EMI, BMG, Sony BMG, um, Decca, Orland to provide a variety of of content to prove. Mm. And then we were really just looking to the customer to say what they wanted. These were only closed user group trials, sort of, you know, two, three thousand people in Ipswich and those sorts of things. My boss then um, got snapped up by Sky. Sky was really taking off as a as a uh, as a digital satellite broadcaster. And that inherently launched something called interactive services so the red button services that some of us many might have used um he he stayed very briefly at sky i should say because he didn't get famously on with uh, james murdoch <laughs> but um moved across uh, but quickly learned that there was a real desire to you, with multi-choice tv to suddenly have the reason we had those sort of 200 300 channels it's obviously refined itself now as, as, as technology has moved on there are other ways of accessing content Uh, But he set up a company called the Interactive TV Group. We were fortunate enough, or not unfortunate for Adam Faith. He'd just set up a, a, um, the the singer had set up a financial TV group based out of Wapping. Um, Sadly, three weeks into operating that, he passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, But the facility was available. And uh, my then boss at the time, John Swinger, picked it up at an absolute song. And we went in uh, and he'd reformed a team from people he'd worked with at BT at Sky become a, an interactive tv group so launching tv channels for other for other parties here in the uk uh, and some some further afield um, i was business development manager at first looking after studios facilities and the winning clients to use those and then also looking up then into interactive services which is again taking back suppose the internet skill sets um, some red buttons we used to provide those red button services if sky didn't develop them for you and do all the coding and the content then, uh, you know, probably the interactive TV group did at the time. So BBC, all the children in need apps, the multi-screen sports, the Glastonbury multi-screen sports, not all of it was sort of developed just in-house at, um, at the BBC. That took me then to a company called Interaction TV because brands and branded content was becoming very much niche, but, you know, certainly a, a, a fad at the time. And obviously it's come back in, in many different sort of facets now, whereas a commercial director at that company um, for about four years, which took me to... A, 10, 11 years ago, where uh, a colleague, uh, and now my, my boss, uh, William Van Rest, who joined ITV, literally picked up the phone and said, and said do, you, do you want to come in for a conversation? Uh, and I was lucky enough to literally join ITV. So probably 20 years after starting my career, always having, wanting to work in television, never thinking, you know, what's my route to being that, sadly, Never going to be front of camera, but not while <laughs> Anton Decker around, another great time like that. Um, and uh, there, it was the, the role, you know, it wasn't defined, which is always a great, again, a great opportunity where I sort of thrive from. It was about classic business development or sales, looking at what the opportunities are, where aren't we making use of the you know, the, the assets that ITV. Uh, might have. ITV was absolutely just, you know, coming off the back of a transformation where the regions of all the various regions, Granada, HTV, Meridian, uh, London, Carlton, LWT were all combining in to become under one brand for once. Um, and uh, and so that, that that journey began. And uh, the team at first was called Brand Extension, which I think, you know, was was a really, really simple did what it said on the tin, which was literally, if there's a brand, a bit of intellectual property that ITV has, owns or makes, you know, what could we be doing with it that isn't the core show itself? And that, you know, took me into actually working with all the producers who make all of our shows, whether they're in-house within the ITV Studios group or third parties to see where there are opportunities. And, you know, often, that there aren't but every now and again um you, you know you, you strike lucky and there is
0: that's such a crazy kind of path to get to where you really wanted to get to i love i love hearing how people have got there yeah. but what and that must be such an exciting thing to do to have that opportunity to say well, we have this amazing brand that people love what more do we do with it you know how do we make that even more immersive for people how do we build this into an experience that like what a fantastic role."
1: Yeah, no, I mean, as, I mean, it's, I'm one of a, a great team, and it's you know it's been and is an incredible t- train set to to, to play with, uh, and you don't take any opportunity for granted, and the show must come first, and absolutely you respect the IP, you know, the IP in that sense. But you know, sometimes it's not—it's uh, not always necessarily the show itself. But there's something that happens off the back of that show, or you feel like, okay, that you know, a tour is warranted off the back of this, or whether that's a theatrical tour, whether it's an arena tour, uh, whether there's a obviously a set tour opportunity as we change buildings that we own and opportunities present themselves, or increasingly now, um, again with colleagues, the whole app generation and games and gaming and the natural brand extension that you might have the very successful quiz shows that we produce.
0: Well, this is one of my first questions is really, because essentially look, breaking down what you do is you translate big brand IPs into commercial ventures. So it's it's taking something and making it more than just a TV show. Yep. What qualities does a brand need to have for it to succeed like beyond the telly? What are you looking for? Um,
1: let's see. I mean, it helps. If it's got a super fan base. I mean, there, there, there is always one... Uh, not on one rule. Something we certainly began to find over, over the years. Uh, again, you know, because ITV's been around for 65 years, and yet really is only, and it's a commercial broadcaster. But really, this notion of brand extension beyond just simple merchandising is something that's only pretty looked at in the last, you know, 10-12 t- years. Um, super fan base is great. Something that uh, a show that certainly finding its feet so second third series tends to be you know so you don't jump at the opportunity too quickly that's not always the rule and you know I'll come back to the 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 big reunion broad appeal um, longevity again that helps you know because you've got the fan base and it's really uh, aligned itself with with those fan base viewer engagement repeatability is obviously a great um, commercial opportunity because one-offs tend to be expensive and that's you know again a, a you know, very good learning point. Sometimes we do things that are more celebratory about a show and they're commercial, but ultimately they're not going to, you know, they're not, they're not got the re, initially the rerun factor or the repeat factor. Um, and then a, a decent amount of context. I think that's another important thing. So, with context, that, that could be timing uh, in the sense of an anniversary, a talent anniversary, a show anniversary. Uh, or related events or a season in the year where it's just like okay summer festivals or even just like the exhibitions field where you, certain things happen in spring and Easter, and you think do you know god that really resonates with what what we what we do as a show uh, and that was a really good example when we we took this morning to the NEC for three years running because it just as a show it lends itself it is live it lends itself to an audience and if you think of the the nature as a as a kind of uh, consumer consumer affairs show and and um news and consumer affairs show, if you think of what the subject matter is, the broad base of it all, then, um, God, you know, you've got, you've got the, you don't even need to think what the floor plan of the exhibition is. And you don't even really need to change from what people do for exhibitions. You're just layering our IP onto it. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's an easy one.
0: Some of the things that we're talking about today are what you're involved in, in, in terms of TV shows and, you know, real life kind of visitor experience. So we've got Coronation Street, the tour, We've got the Emmerdale Village Tour. And then um, there's been various, I mean, again, we'll we mention the big reunion. There's been various kind of tours and, and kind of live experiences that have kind of spun out of existing TV shows as well. But then you've also got something brand new that's launching this year, which I'm not going to mention just yet. We're going to keep the suspense. It we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. What, what are the kind of, what are the most successful formats that that you that you find translate from the telly to kind of real life experiences.
1: So um, I suppose the, the obvious ones, and these this isn't unique to ITV, but it's certainly um, it's about you know mass market big entertainment it's, uh, stuff that you know appeals to the broadest audience. So with you know Psycho and Fremantle X Factor was an obvious tour in its day uh, at the height of. Um, unknown people becoming music, uh, music talent, celebrities, recording artists, and then going on tour. You have it with uh, the BBC, and they still do it with Strictly. Uh, with ourselves, again, you know, BGT, Britain's Got Talent, it absolutely lends itself to scalability, and scalability, you know, leads to sort of commercial success, and it leaves itself to repetition. But every, everything has a kind of, you know, life, life cycle. Um, for, for ourselves, uh, purely on her own, you know, it's a Saturday Night Takeaway. Uh, I talked about anniversaries. Anton Deck, this is, you know, it's, uh, what are we, uh, five, six years ago now. It was their 20th anniversary in the industry. They wanted to do something. We'd actually spotted the opportunity, you know, why are Anton Deck not on tour? Well, there are many reasons. They're very busy and not everybody wants to be on, on tour the whole time. But the Saturday Night Takeaway show, and the, it's just mass market entertainment. And it is, it's a show that's so professionally produced that when it airs as a live TV show, if you arrive as an audience member, you don't have to arrive hours and hours beforehand. You're, you know, you're slotted into your seats. Um, There might be a few hits done to record some interim piece into uh, some inter sort of show pieces for the, that play out in the ads or links to that, but then you're straight onto the show and the 90 minutes you see in the TV audience is the 90 minutes you get at home. God, if you're in that audience, it really is, you know, there's a, there's a live buzz to it. So taking that to an arena tour, 30 dates, uh, matinees and evenings, um, 15, 16 days with the boys on tour around the country, absolutely lent itself, you know, and all hats off to um, colleagues in my team uh, who helped deliver that, the, the production company, ITV, ITV Entertainment, and ITV Studios Entertainment, and of course working with Live Nation as a promoter, so they, you know, there's a great mario of partnerships. Big Reunion, you know, again, um, that's, the, that's the one I would say where, you know, you don't, didn't need to be, didn't need to be into its temp series, didn't need to be coming back like um, Saturday Night Takeaway where he was doing after a bit of a hiatus, that was, um, okay, it's been 10, you know, 14 years since, uh, certainly 10 years since we've seen a lot of these acts in arenas or on in larger scale sort of theatres. Um, where have, they, you know, what, what have they gone on to do? Uh, Michael Kelpie and Potato, one of the ITV labels, had had success with Bring Back Steps for Sky. Yeah. And they'd made that format, looked at that format and, you know, there was an obvious uh, journey there. And then it was okay how does ITV do that? Well, we do it on scale. So why bring back just one band? Why not let's bring yeah, back five every, you know, five, every series. And, you know uh, what are we, we, we did two series because basically there was about, you know, 15, you know, 15 real acts that when we sort of thought about it and just, and uh, look, looked at um, chart successes and also their backstory, what they've got on to do and where they all are now. Um, we didn't even have to air the first episode and there was a. You know, Twitter was really a thing by then, and it was a well. Obviously, there's going to be a tour. Well, I can assure you, there wasn't <laughs> going to be a tour. But there was oh, so, you, so the public requested yeah. that. There wasn't so a bad. Well,
0: there, was,
1: there was a kind of concept when you work with that that much that that, those, that many artists and that much talent, and it's you know confusing schedules. You think, okay, you know, this could this could lend itself to be, but you know, let, let's kind of be ready, waiting in the wings. But consumer demand, instant feedback, and then you've got to be able to you, you've got to be able to. By picking the right partnerships, you've got to be able to move quickly on those sorts of opportunities. And they don't often come along in that way.
0: Yeah, it's fabulous. I mean, I, I, that that show for me was, um, was really kind of like reliving my childhood because I'm of a certain age. Much younger than me. <laughs> Thank you. I doubt that very much, though. Uh, but they were kind of like... I was into a lot of those bands at the time in, in, in some level. And it was just brilliant watching, you know, where they what they'd gone on and done and then trying to get them back into shape to do the routines and stuff. It was so, it was so funny and so interesting. Kelly,
1: you know, uh, I'm in exact same situation as you don't think I'm not, you know, <laughs> as somebody as an 18 year old apprenticeship or, you know, working in and around Soho as I did, because that's where my apprenticeship was based. It was based in the West end of London. Uh, you know, loved pop music, um, if you'd ever said you'd then be working with those individuals you know sitting on a coach sometimes on short journeys sometimes on long journeys and in you know, some of the sort of craziest situations as um as we as, you know it's, it's well the show was playing itself out and of course the stories were and then we were we were getting to take them on tour at the time so um yeah no you, you don't get many um uh, opportunities like that and i'm ever so grateful
0: fantastic experience for you um so with the TV, what's interesting is you've obviously got a captive audience with the TV and, and it, was really, it was really interesting to hear about how that audience demand kind of spurred. There was obviously a little idea about the tour, but it really kind of spurred it. How do you kind of strike that balance between developing products to reach new audiences? How do you get that right?
1: So I, I think uh, importantly for us, and this is, is incredibly done by, you know, sorry, it's done by trial and error, is... You've got to, see, I suppose, look at, does it feel right? Is it a natural extension um, for us, ITV, to be taking? Because, you know, we're not a theme park operator. We don't do repertory theatre, those sorts of things. And there are other parties out there. And, you know, one of the principal roles, I suppose my roles evolved into now is looking at the licensing side, where there are many entities who might choose to look at something from a slightly uh, less obvious position and, and take that forward. But from our perspective, it's um, it, it's really, it's looking at ratings. It's looking at... Um, social media and how that talent engages with their audience do they engage with the audience don't they Um, are are there natural wins because of course people can always evolve them and move their careers forward, Uh, a really good example is Gino De Campo so I think we uh, did three tours with him, so you know Gino incredible talent uh, was um, iconic from his his season when he was on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here he was obviously becoming a prominent uh, TV chef he uh, was this on this morning pretty much every week or every other week. And then, you know, he starts getting his own show. And that's the that's test. So the commissioners, you know, it's, we, 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 they're almost like a litmus test. They, can spot, these, they spot these opportunities and uh, almost, you know, take some of the pain out of it for us. Uh, and it was, you know, I think it's Italian Escapes. And that was where, you know, he'd go to a different part of Italy. Um, and then that just, it just, we were talking again to um, a promoter. I think it was uh, Kilimanjaro, Kiddie Live who also look at Ed Sheeran, so talk about different ends of the spectrum um, uh, uh, for them. And they were talking about you know, theatre shows and what the, the ses- successes they have. And they said, you know, would Gino be interested? And um, there's a quick conversation to be had. If talent are interested, then, you know, then great. And um, Of course he was. And for him, it also, it sort of suits his purpose because there he is having done I'm a Celebrity, having done some... Um, TV chef shows having done this morning and now with his own Italian escapes, but what does he actually stand for? And he wants to evolve his career and put himself differently. So I'd like to think, you know, uh, three, three sellout tours in theaters, 1500, 2000 seats a night, which we you know we were told we're doing well at because we're doing 14 nights of run. Um, and it wasn't just Gino goes on stage and, 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 and cooks cause that would be obvious. It's Gino goes on stage and does what he does best, which is engages with the audience. Yeah. The cooking almost becomes, you know uh, auxiliary um, to, to the evening and then quickly it was really we, we learned that the audience uh, yes there were it was almost like a 50-50 divide 50 50% percent of them were there because they wanted some cooking advice or to hear his anecdotes about Italian escapes and when it's what it's like to be on the road and cooking the food of his uh, food of his homeland and 50 percent of course had joined because he was suddenly an instant overnight success in celebrity juice
0: and that audience
1: <laughs> wanted quite a different thing And of course, Gino being Gino, he would play to the safety juice audience (laughs) and it it made it made for, you know, an unpredictable but incredibly entertaining show that, you know, the first um, the first tour, it was fairly locked down in what they produced and what it would be and the the format would be Uh, numbers two, two and three. You you go for it. You know what you you know what you want to do. as long as you pitch it correctly to the audience as to what they're going to be getting. Uh, so live and unplugged <laughs> was, was tour number two. Um, then, you know, you've, um, you, you've got success. Uh, another good example is, I suppose this morning live. So there, um, we've been approached by media 10, the, the guys who deliver grand designs and the ideal home show for a number of years. In fact, for probably about eight or nine years. And they, they, Hit us when it was right to have a conversation because I had thought uh, this is madness. I've been challenged with why aren't we doing festivals? Why isn't ITV more involved with festivals? Because you had the good food program for the BBC, you had the closed show historically being such a success.
0: Yeah, and, nice.
1: and in truth, we you know um, uh, well in truth we have always been very successful in daytime. And I think with uh, this morning, it was really uh, it, it, we, we looked at all the shows. So Good Morning Britain, the rain this morning and lose swimming, and could you take them all on, you know, on the road and would there be an exhibition? Uh, and then you start getting into realities of cost, of logistics, of actually the quite disparate audiences that do come across those four different shows and what they want to engage with. And we quickly settled on this morning and then just simply this morning live in that it has cooking in it, it has um, uh, health issues, it does fashion, it does entertainment, and ultimately at the heart of it are Phil and Holly or Eamon and Ruth at the time. And uh, you know we learned very quickly that we were taking the show on the road. We did the uh, whilst we had a replacement presenter team in um, in London, so you'd have Phil and Holly in Birmingham and Aiden Roof in in studio or, or vice versa. Uh, they'd hand to each other great segments of the show were able to be done from the NEC. Um, you know, you kind of yes, there were costs involved, but to us that was more of a, a marketing vehicle. It worked really well for Media Ten because they absolutely know how to deliver a live exhibition, and from a stands perspective, and from all those. Uh, consumer brands that want to sell to our audiences, who would normally take advertising slots in those shows anyway, it was a it was a no brainer for them to want to attend. And it's on four day. It was on for four days a, a week um, every year. You know, forty to fifty thousand people attending over those four uh, you know four days. Um, and then you get into the great hurdles of oh my god, you know, it's almost too successful capacities and fans being more than just I suppose the the, the, the typical um, ticket buyer and and, and and visitor. Everybody wants to to meet the talent and so meet and greets you know, that, that became a, a, you know, a whole sort of performance item in itself.
0: So huge success. You can see that formats work. You've got huge engagement from people and then a global pandemic comes along and uh, kind of smashes us all in the face. How has that, I mean, it's affected obviously your plans and things that you've got, you know, in fruition quite extensively How have you, how has it affected you and how have you kind of tried to overcome some of those, those challenges this year? Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, so,
1: so if we, if we we look back to this time or actually this time last year or actually go back a further two, three weeks um, when you know the UK government was still slightly in denial about the nature of this <laughs> pandemic,
0: I think we all um, were, weren't we? Because I think yeah, like, no, no, we, 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 we were watching the news, going, "Oh, it's all happening in Italy, isn't it?" Oh, yeah, oh, well, that looks bad. We, 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 we,
1: we, 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 yes, well, yes, the broad public world, but don't forget IT, ITV as a stakeholder in ITN. So we produce Channel Four News, Channel Five News, and ITN News. Um, the three variants, different editorial flavours. Um, So I don't think you could avoid it from that point of view. And I'm based in, you know, Grayson Road. Well, I was based in Grayson Road, which is where the new new studios are. So I think there's a real feeling there. Um, Most importantly about, you know, just kind of hand sanitizers and introduce themselves. But the thing came to me was three weeks out um, of not even lockdown of us beginning to to talk about. So probably we're talking the back end of February. Um, I was approached by my own director and division director to say, uh, you know, at at a board level, um, we think we need to... um, uh or stop set tours. So the set tours of Coronation Street right. and the Emmerdale Village Tour. Both are external sets. Um, although there are some interiors to be seen as the interior sets we've on the Coron- Coronation Street set. But um and that is principally because first and foremost we're a broadcaster and we and, and a producer of content, a producer of successful TV shows. You know, these serial dramas have been going last year 60 years for Corrie and this year we're celebrating 45 years for Emmerdale. And so, hearts and minds, which is a, a phrase that's very well known now within the business, is looking after the staff wellbeing. The staff wellbeing is therefore uh, the actors, the talent, all the production staff, all those many people that come on board, coming coming out of the. Um, so quickly, the sets began to close, you know, to lock down, um, and we and a wrapper a, a was put around the productions to enable them to come on production for as long as they could. That wasn't feasible from the moment national lockdown happened, and we had to then. You know, wait and work with health and safety committees and and other people and with government to work out what the safe way to production was. So from my perspective it was please turn off tours and we were just starting the season and we had loads of pre-bookings across Emmerdale and we had loads of bookings across Coronation Street. And of course, we just recruited our seasonal workers in the sense of our tour guides for that, for that year. Many who come back each you know, come back each year and have other roles when, when the when the tours aren't operated at the weekends. So I think we had to, you know, it was straight away onto on the phones. Uh, I mean, with Emma Dow, our partner um, is uh, you know Continuum Group, Continuum Attractions, who we work with on many um, uh, tours and attractions, and and obviously from their perspective. Uh, there was a, 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 a quite rightful debate: Are oh, we jumping the gun and doing this too soon? Because they weren't seeing that advice in in the in the tourism market for their attractions. But ours was no. This is what we kind of we need to we need to do, and we didn't want to let consumers down at the last minute. Because with Corrie, certainly, um, people travel quite a distance across yeah. the country to come to those weekends. They book hotels in advance. They book transport in advance, um, and so then it really is about you, you're just going into to a situation of customer management. So there, it was a case of. There's some sorry, we need to cancel down tours. Um, obviously, refunds uh, immediately available if you wanted them, or you can basically move to hold a, a voucher, or, or, or and we will, you know, we'll, we'll contract as soon as. So that's a complete curtailment of that that, that business, and it became then a reality that um, even with unlocked down lockdown over the back end of the uh, back end of summer, that again the situation was even just worse. Think of where we are now, in winter. So autumn, and the end of summer last year, everyone was feeling great in the UK and, and around most of the, rest of the world. Some had fitted in summer holidays or done staycations and things like this. So, again, from a consumer point of view, it's all about proactively managing the comms to them. But at the same time for us, because we don't have a lot to say on this, because we're not a true classic visitor attraction, just enough communication where you're engaging, giving consumers what they need to know. Of course, all opportunities, um, offering refunds. When we began to realise that you know what these aren't, we aren't going to be open, open these in autumn because if anything the pandemic's getting worse, and this was even before new new new, um, new variants. It was okay. Well, th- this is coming back in. You know, we hope to be able to bring this back in uh, 2021. That's a realisation now that probably that isn't uh, you know even even a reality. And was it's incredibly disappointing to the team. Um, you know, thank God uh, in the early days where the furlough opportunity was there, we absolutely absolutely um you know uh, used it from a customer point of view social media thank god we've got you know decent outlets to be able to contact um customers and from you know, being a broadcaster with viewer services um we were able to really talk to a bits of the business for them to help us to, co- get, to get in contact with as many consumers as possible and even now you know it's 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 a difficult one because you look to advice from alva you know keep, we keep across blue loop we listen to your podcast we talk to experts we're uh, talking with you know, we Continuum every day, uh, and we you know, have uh, health and safety advisors from the tourism market as well. But from a set tours point of view, it just isn't realistic. There is nobody in any, our, our, any of our offices. We all work remotely. All the editing of the shows is pretty much done remotely, incredibly. Um, in the early days of the pandemic, every show was produced remotely. The galleries all became laptops. So editors, directors were sitting at home. So, and the, the, the two teams who make the soaps have done an incredible job of creating co- cohorts where nobody kind of overlaps. You're in your cohort group and you move through based on your plot line and through those cohorts. So you always, always sort of stay safe. And they're the only people who go on sets. They pick up their own, their costumes are already hung out for them. You know, that's so, uh, and their the makeup they do themselves. And so I suppose that the, the thoughts to um, the uh, ITV studios production, uh, the, the drama production side, the thought of even sort of entertaining us being able to welcome the members of the public onto those sets currently is still sort of, you know, untenable. So the good news is very exciting plans, you know, for, for next year. What this has given, the, I suppose, the pandemic, let me come to the positives, If it's given us a time to reflect. Uh, you know, we were very lucky uh, six years ago when uh, the old set became available at Coronation Street. The Granada building was sold quite quickly after, you know, 55 years of ownership by ITV. It would have just been quickly demolished, but that wasn't, you know. I was like, "That can't happen." We, you know, let's 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 think about it's this
0: sacrilege. Yeah,
1: well, and we, we, and also got, also to the developer who brought it, you know, when do you need the building by? When are you truly when you've got planning to do? You've got you know plans to put into council. When do you need it by? But we, you know, we need it probably in about twenty four months time. So for eighteen months, we were able to open that set, and nine hundred thousand people came through that set wow. tour um, in that period of time, and that's a success. Um, and that 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 felt you know completely natural. But now we're in a, working in a different environment. We're part of a living, breathing you know, production production community. So we're looking at it from you know from a from a, from a filming perspective and from the and from that um, visitor perspective. The exciting thing is we are able to look at now how do we uh, make the tools more accessible? Is the technology that can you know can can, can almost enhance them? Uh, we work with groups like Antenna looking at, you know, it's, we've long resisted to audio guide because we love the in, interpersonal nature of the, the the tour guide. But actually, if you think of the amount of content and archive and things like that can actually bring sets to life and everybody's got a different character they like on those shows and a different memory of a storyline. Some people like the 60s, 70s, the 80s. Some people remember, you know, Emmerdale, and, and I'm going to say ITV Sacrilege, when it was called I, Emmerdale Farm. Um, and so they, you know, they're, they're, there's those sort of, um, those angles to it. And it's given us time to uh, reflect. Uh, completely exclusive to you, we're um, we're building an IT a, a new building next to Coronation Street in Manchester. The pilings underway. Wow. Uh, the intention is to have it open by next Easter. Um, What's it going to serve? It's going to be it's multifaceted because it addresses mul- multiple problems. The script writers, and there are about 200 on Cory normally meet in hotels and and go to conference centres to marry all the plot lines together and to do the timelines. We've got, again with cast, again with all the principal um, production team. Now now we'll be able to happen on the top floor of this of this you know almost event space building. The middle floor will have an exhibition space which will be will be used by us. Um, from a Coronation Street perspective, and the, down, the, the ground floor will have a 70 uh, seat uh, theatre for those like me who believe that people will come back into some form of cinema environment, and we'll have a cafe and we'll have a, a retail outlet. So it'll be a proper, uh, uh, I don't want to call it, I'm going to call it but sort of visitor re- reception area, as opposed to them just meeting somewhere in Media City, and then we walk them over to the set and take them take on, them on, on the set there. That late us hour us to be seven days a week, um, from a from a experience point of view, and it as into engage with, with the brand. It really plays for Peel, the lap Peel, the landowner of Media City, because there's a brand new tram line that opened unbeknownst to us pretty much all whilst we've been in lockdown that serves the Trafford side of Manchester and is a high you know a much faster link into Manchester. There's a stop right by our, ourselves and the Imperial War, Mu- War Museum, so we're we where that that stop there'll be a cafe there as the saviours would provide. So that's playing to an opportunity that if we'd not had the pandemic, would have taken quite a lot longer yeah. because we've been able to do stuff when the sets have been closed, when the filming hasn't happened. Um And you know, it's a great positive. Something similar is happening with the village for Emma Dow for hopefully for twenty uh, for st- the back end of twenty twenty two, so that we can get more people into the village and really celebrate the sets and do Q and As and audience with with cast and things like that. Oh wow. Um, so, yeah, so positives.
0: Oh, I love that you've come on, on and, and dropped a few little exclusives for us, James. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, many of our listeners are, are in the attractions world and they will be completely sympathising with the situation that you've been in in terms of having to shut down the sets. But it's so it's such a different challenge that you have. I mean, the the attractions now, they're planning for their reopening in kind of May time um, and are incredibly excited about that and what that looks like, that roadmap. But your roadmap is so much longer because of the logistics of filming. And I I hadn't really kind of taken that into consideration at all, how difficult that would be, because obviously you can't have general public on the sets when you've got to protect the people that are on the sets recording each day. It's it's a huge challenge.
1: They're such substantial, I mean, Principal revenue streams and most important audience drivers for ITV. You know the soaps still regularly get between you know six to eight million, depending on where we are on, where we are on the storylines, five days a week, and that's incredible for you know for for in this in the in the sort of streaming platform and non-linear broadcast era that we all um, we all live within. Um, that said, you know colleagues within my team who look after our Ninja Warrior brand. You know in lockdown, uh, we started last year with eight licensees and eight sites. By the time we get to the back end some of there'll be 15 sites because people are proactively taking and opening sites because they've seen properties becoming available. We, you know, there's that previous uh, guests of yours have talked about that nature of retail and leisure. Yes. finally Finally beginning to kind of merge, which we haven't seen in the UK. It's been prevalent in Asia, you know, very strong in, in the USA and to some extent, main in Europe. But that, that's created a real opportunity. And so there's real opportunity in, in that. And there, obviously, those are. Uh, They've nothing to do with show production, and so they can open, as you're talking about, with these these may time scales. And you know, I hope they go on to have really successful years. And 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 um, whatever sort of restrictions we have in 2021, let's hope 2022 then gives them the gives them a full run.
0: Yeah. And there's going to be a huge resurgence in people wanting to do things. You know, we're all desperate to get back out and have new experiences because we've been stuck between, you know, our four walls for so long. Um, but this brings me to something very exciting, which is that I'm a Celebrity Jungle Challenge, which is it opening this year? Maybe this year? Who knows at the moment? Tell us a little bit about it.
1: I can tell you that based on current government guidelines and if we and what we know of the roadmap we're actually opening this summer. Um, I mean for me it's very exciting it's the fruition of a three-year project in in a sense from talking with um, you know Peel Holdings the landowner to then uh, working with various design companies and settling with Scruffy Dog Productions Um, and then the exciting part which which we started right back at the um, start of this podcast working with the you know, the producers of the show. And, you know, Richard Cowes, Tom Gould and that ITV entertainment team are genius. You know, uh, I'm a Celebrity is his format. Saturday Night Takeaway is his co-format. Love Island is his format. You know, um, that team know how to do live events, a uh, lot live programming. And um, being able to look under the bonnet of, of what, what is the essence of I'm a Celebrity if we were going to make it an attraction has been really exciting. So uh, yeah, Media City, uh, or Quayside um, Media City, I should say, what was the Lowry Outlet, will be opening this summer.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. You know that the team, we've already started planning that we'll, we'll come and do it as like one of our Christmas do adventures because every, every our Christmas do is always a thing you know we go and have an experience somewhere you know we went and did the crystal maze challenge or, or you know and then we'll go for dinner yeah. and drinks and stuff and as soon as I mentioned this they were like that's it that's the Christmas do
1: oh okay I, I need you there sooner I need you uh, we need we need those guinea pigs for early summer so I'll be calling you up <laughs>
0: all right we'll, we'll bring our Christmas do forward that's all right. we, we missed yeah. out on one last year Listen. so we'll, we'll be Listen. there
1: <laughs> there's no restrictions on tinsel so you're you're welcome <laughs>
0: fabulous because i do love a bit of tinsel has covid kind of changed how you will deliver that visitor experience for that attraction though because i think one of the things that we've been talking about quite a lot with um with with attractions are actually some of the positives of the visitor experience being better when the capacity has been reduced so for example um you know you take you 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 want to go and visit the Mona Lisa well you know in a normal day if you if you go and visit the Mona Lisa there are thousands of people that are doing it with you at the same time and and so that experience is just not what you might have hoped for but actually if you kind of did it well not now but when when they're open and you've got that reduced capacity it's a nicer experience it's more kind of engaging for you maybe people will pay a slightly higher price for that as well. So how has that changed how you open and your strategy?
1: So obviously when you design any of these attractions, and again, you, you, we work with good partners uh, and, you know, we're not, we're not experts. We, you know, we hold people to the flame. As how we want it to look. We want it to be you know, delivered to, you know, a hundred percent to be true to the format. But um there's always going to be a, you've designed it for this sort of flow, for this capacity, and people use it in this manner. And of course, we're only, only when we start getting to the customer testing, which we're pretty much just approaching now, will we see how that happens. Now we layer on the COVID factor. The COVID factor is exactly what you've said. Probably a little more time in that attraction. Um, yes, reviewing, you know, what, what they, reviewing the price for that. But the capacity being reduced, but then the experience being so much better. It's you know, things are all, all uh, uh also, I think all leisure attractions are kind of sort of price sensitive, but um, I do think and I, I hope when you see it, the layering over the IP of the jungle challenge and whether it's the thematic music and even a safety video from Anton Deck through to the the gameplay we've put on what would traditionally be kind of a, a ropes and um that swinging course with a bit of a you know, sort of ninja warrior in the middle, um, really does it really does bring value to it. So, I think we've got to. Um, And we are reviewing what that what their customer experience is similarly on on tours side of things. It's absolutely about capacity. Less people maybe in in tour groups, certainly fast tracking this um, notion of free flow that colleagues have had, which is okay. Tour guides are wonderful and they give you the kind of they give our scripted and in the tone of a show version of events. But we know, especially if we look to the younger audiences, that it absolutely is all about um, the selfie moments, the racing to the bit of the set that you you know most. Um, again, when we talked about, I, I mentioned sort of characters earlier. So we've got to look at that and then that, that looks okay, well, how do we then convey some of, some of the knowledge, and, um, depth of and, and years of plot lines, characters, and, and how things, why things look the way they do. Why the houses aren't as big as they would, real houses would be, and all those all those um, sorts of things. Then we're looking at the kind of audio guide or the, certainly the interactive guide, and how uh, how you know smartphones that again you know really have got pretty much mass market penetration now across all age brackets. Um, you know that how we can, how we can use those. I think last week somebody raised a really um, uh, well. So the, the podcast that aired last week, and I can't record the chap's name, but. Um, Oh my God! Never did I think well, we'd be looking back at QR codes.
0: <laughs> and, um... <laughs> QR codes. 2020 was the year of the resurgence for them. Who knew that was going to happen?
1: Absolutely, it's like the ZX spectrum of tourism. It's suddenly <laughs> back.
0: <laughs> I was going to say Atari, and that, but then that uh, would that would super yeah. age me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I've got, no, that was ten years before me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, can you? Um, we, we're coming to the end of the podcast, but one more question yep. to ask you. But can you give us? Um, can you can you let us know what kind of things that we might find in this new attraction? Are there going to be any disgusting eating challenges? Because I think I feel like that is up there with what people really want to do. Now,
1: listen, I, I think what what we uh, I'm a just had its twentieth season. You know, even in an amazing cast in Wales, did record audiences, and I know we've got you know pandemic viewers and that people can't go out. And there are many facets to the show, and so I think. This is the first iteration of what you're going to see of what we'd like to do with the Imer 70 brand working with, you know, not just property partners, but also with operator partners that we're currently engaged with. This one is all about ju- the jungle challenge of getting stars, because at the heart of the show, you get those stars and it is for the more physical aspects of of it. So. Um, you know, there are, there's, you've got to climb, you know, 15 meter, um, rock faces. You've got a zip line across the venue. You've got to do a tree chop trail that doesn't have much to support you other than the the harness you kind of clip to. And so that'll test your heights. There's a spy rider if you so wish that you can strap yourself into and travel 20 miles an hour around the, uh, you know, around, around the rooftop. There's, um, you know, escape the jungle, which is, um, our variant on Ninja Warrior. So we've packed a lot in, you know, a, a lot into this. And if you're, if you're, uh, if you want to test again, your, your test of heights, there's leap of faith. Would you go, you jump, you hang on to uh, uh, a cushion for as long as you can before you drop to the ground. Oh. And uh, let's, Yeah. <laughs> but don't worry. You're in, you're in a safety beeline.
0: <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. I, I feel super excited about it already. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of our listeners will be booking up tickets as soon as they can. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing that James. Um, we it always ask our guests. Um, for a book that they would recommend to us. so And it can be anything, really. I used to always ask if it was a book that had shaped someone's career. But I think, actually, just a book that you really love or or, or one that you would just like to share with our audience would be great.
1: Okay, dokie. Well, I, I've changed my choice as of this morning. And uh, it's courtesy because, of course, from working from home or even when I work in the office, I've always got ITV on playing in the background. And um, a book that I found absolutely charming and not a, not a lifesaver, but just really resonated with me in this lockdown, being sort of single, working on my own, working on a project quite distance with a team that's quite disparate around the country, has been the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. Oh. Charlie McAfee. Oh, um, gosh. And, and, and it comes into mind today because, uh, I, I saw him in, uh, over my shoulder just before we came on the call because he was on this morning, and it's being made into a movie, um, which is incredible, an animated movie using his beautiful artwork and as I understand it, it's going to extend the characters and give some background, you know, to to those four wonderful subjects. And I think, you know, I just feel with all that's going on, whether it's headlines in the news this week on any level, whether it guards ITV or not, that, you know, put a bit of love out there and um, we'll, all be, we'll all be good and we'll, and we'll get through this storm, as he yeah. likes to put it.
0: Oh do you know what that book has given me so much comfort over the years and I'm so glad that somebody nobody has recommended that book yet I'm so glad that you chose that one today because it really does sum up what we all need right now and I think it has been like I said for me it's been a huge comfort for on many different levels and I think it has been a huge comfort for a lot of people through the lockdown as well.
1: Absolutely and it's yeah you know you can turn to any page of it and there's a a quote or a phrase that just kind of you can draw something from it. And I think that um, there have been many books probably prior to that, and I'm not going to bankrupt you as others do. So that's my book.
0: <laughs> thank you. Just the one book. Just remember, I asked for one book. Yeah, people. guys, just listen. One book, please. It's all <laughs> Kelly wants. Cost me so much money. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's a great recommendation. As ever, um, if you want to win a copy of that book, then if you head over to our Twitter account and you retweet this episode announcement with the words, I want James's book, then you will be in with a chance of winning a copy and um you should do that because it is a really lovely book i'm so glad that there's going to be a film as well that's really nice
1: james thank you can i say thank you by the way because i mean it's i'd listen to your podcast every week fascinating insights helps helps all us and um yeah so i'm really pleased that um, was invited on thank you oh
0: that uh, that's really that's very kind um all of our guests have said very lovely things about the podcast and I I feel super humbled by it and I actually felt really humbled that you put us in the bracket of Alva and Blue Loop there who are are phenomenal organizations that have been doing brilliant things for attractions throughout this thank you James it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today it's been been wonderful so thank you so much for your time
1: you're very welcome you take care
0: Thanks for listening to Skip The Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip The Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese, a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.